I'm happy you're here this morning. I know many of you may have plans after service today or later on this evening to be with family. Maybe your family's with you here this morning. We're grateful for that. Or maybe you have to go somewhere else, but we're just appreciative of that. We're mindful of that. We know that, that uh, you know, they started, I guess Hallmark started a thing a number of years ago. I've said this before. And uh, they provided Mother's Day cards uh, for prisoners to be able to send Mother's Day uh, greetings to their, their moms. And it was such a success that they decided to do the same thing for Father's Day. The only thing is the success is they found out that about 15% of what they gave actually went out somewhere. And they said the biggest reason for that was many of them didn't know who their father was or where he would be to send it to them. And so anyway, uh, we know that Hallmark started this thing of Mother's Day, Father's Day, a time, but it wasn't their idea. The Bible tells us in the, in the Old Testament, in fact, it was one of the Ten Commandments. He said, honor your father and mother Amen. that your days might be long and it might be well with you in the land that he's leading us. How many of you know it's a, it's a wonderful thing to honor our fathers and our mothers? Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. And not only doing that, I oftentimes thought that maybe, it, you know, so many times that we have people that uh, don't have their mothers or their fathers with them during these times or even in their life, but it doesn't make any difference. We still honor them by the way that we live our life. Amen? The honor goes on whether they're deceased or still living. Amen? It's a good thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to get into the Word this morning, and I've already kind of cut into part of what I was going to share but I want to look at the uh, scripture this morning from 1 Kings, the second chapter, verses 1 through 4, if you would. Amen. Now the days of, Her- or, I'm sorry, the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong. And therefore, prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning uh, me, saying, if your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. You shall not lack a man on the throne of all of Israel. I can imagine what was taking place there that day, and we've oftentimes seen those times where uh, maybe you've had that occasion to hear some of the final words of of, a Uh, a person when they are about to move on from this life to another one. Uh, uh, Sadly, we had to uh, uh, lay my brother to rest just week before last, and we were there. And Of course, the good thing was that uh, his daughter, Andrea, shared with what he told her prior to leaving. And it was just powerful. It was great. And uh, he prayed a blessing over her, over her kids. And then from there, you know, he went on a couple hours later, went on to be with the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to pass from this life. And it's not just about what we do within the time that we're living here. It's what we leave beyond this place, beyond this life. And I could almost imagine David, the king of Israel. And, you know, we understand that the, the royalty is passed from one generation to, the, to another through the family. And, but he said that it was very important as he charged Solomon upon his, upon his last days, and they're lying there perhaps. He says, you know, it's about the time where I go the way of all the earth. I'm going to leave this life. He said, but this is what you need to do. I want to give you these instructions. And there he said, prove yourself a man. Prove yourself a man. The most important thing that he could pass on to him was what he said in that verse. Prove yourself a man. 
This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. We know that on this day is seemingly set apart for fathers, but I look at it as more than just being a person who has uh, children, those who have a lineage. It's beyond all that. It's being responsible for who we are supposed to be. Father's Day can be either a happy day or it can be a difficult day. I thank God that, that it's a happy day for me. It's an enjoyable day. It's a wonderful day for me. I'm thankful for the father that I had. Both of my parents, they raised us up and cared about us, did all the things that were necessary in the natural as well as providing a spiritual background and covering, and I thank God for that. And though my father's been gone for 25 years, I still rejoice in what he imparted to me. Some people have a difficult time, maybe difficulty because the the father is no longer here. Maybe it's difficult because you think about those things and people oftentimes get in such grief and sorrow that it's hard. But listen to me, if, a pers- if, a, if your father is with the Lord, was with the Lord, your sorrow is not without hope. Amen. <laughs> we have a hope. Thank God for that. Amen. So whether it's happy or difficult, some people will say, I lost our father. And sometimes it's, it's through early life. I, I heard somebody, I read maybe something uh, that someone shared this past week, having lost their, uh, their father at the age of five, and their sister was three. And uh, it's a difficult thing. My mother uh, had a similar situation with both her mother and her father. Uh, they died at early ages. And uh, it's, it's a difficult thing to go by that. Some people have a difficult day with it because they never knew who their father was. It's a difficult time. It's hard for people to relate to giving honor on a day that seemingly is, I don't even know what to do. Or maybe there are those who find it difficult with, with honoring their fathers because he walked out of your life. Maybe whatever for whatever reason. Oftentimes it's hard for the spouse as a single or widowed mom who's left to raise the kids. But yet God tells us honor your father and your mother, and there's a blessing. Psalm the 68th chapter, verses 4 through 6 says, Praise God. Give him all the praise and all the glory. Extol honor and praise to him because he's a father to the fatherless. Amen? Amen. Maybe you had a difficult time or relationship, but God is your father. Amen. He's a father to the fatherless. What a wonderful thing. And he's a defender to the widows, it says. That's how God cares for us so much. He knows our name. He knows our need. He knows what we're, we're in uh, need of. Amen. And he says, if you'll give honor to them, he says, he is a father who brings us out of bondage and into prosperity. Doesn't matter your situation in this life. God cares for you. He's a father to you. He's a good, good father. And he brings us into prosperity. There's prosperity that comes from God Almighty. Just say, thank you, God. Amen? Thank you, God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. He's a good, good father. The world is in need of fathers. The world is in great need of fathers. Paul even said in his instruction in in, uh, the New Testament, he told Timothy, I believe it was, he said, we have a lot of teachers, but we don't have a lot of fathers. Meaning there's a lot of people who can pass along information, but there are those who pour into us, invest into us, and that's what a father is. You can find things on on YouTube, the how-tos and so forth, but there's something about that relationship that you have. When you learn from a a person who is hands-on and they're with you, it's important. Amen? Amen? Fatherlessness, they say, is the most destructive trend of our generations. They say that even more than drug addiction, gang problems, social ills are all even oftentimes connected to fatherlessness. How many of you know that Satan has had an all-out attack upon the family? Amen. Amen. He's attacked the family from the very beginning. It's not, new, no, it's not any new news. It's not any new revelation. Satan's attack has always been on the family. He attacked the family unit when he, when he tempted Eve and even the, the, the 
when a family was just two people, there was a, a thing there that was given to try and divide. And then we see after they had children, there was an attack upon the family. One seed over the other one. Uh, Cain slew his brother Abel. And his continuation of this attack upon the family. We see it so many times. I've been saying it for a number of years. Teresa had mentioned it the other day. She said, it's just like you've always said and have always preached, even back when I was a youth pastor, that uh, things were changing in the family. We see that back in the, what, 50s and 60s, there was a thing they called it the generation gap, right? Remember that? And kids growing up and saying, oh, you don't know anything and all this and that. Probably even prior to that, Mark Twain made the statement. He said, when, uh, when I was a young man, he says, I thought my father was an, was an idiot, a complete imbecile. He said, I turned 21, I realized how much the guy had learned in a couple of years. Right? There's always been that attack. Gender lines are being blurred today. Accepted. Uh, and forced, if I might say. Forced if you don't believe that way. You know, we have been through a culture of removing God's word, not only from schools, but many times it's being removed from churches. No longer being preached from the pulpit. No longer being read about. People... You want to have a relationship with God, but never listen to his word. If you remove God's words, you'll buy anything. Pastor growing up, Pastor John Polizzi, said that Satan will tell you a thousand truths if he can get you to believe one of his lies, because then he's got you. The one thing I've learned, the enemy will use a whole lot of things and use a whole lot of reasoning. And oftentimes we blur the lines and in serving God by someone we know. Well, I have a relationship with that person. And they're a good person, so we accept whatever is out there, whatever lie that the enemy has tried to lead people down. We have to, hold, we have to love people, and we have to declare truth. Amen. Because we love people. Amen? Yeah, right. We see that in the beginning, if we follow the order of all, all the creation, God created the heavens and the earth. How many of you believe that? Amen? Amen? Amen. God created the heavens and the earth. He went through five days of creation. On the sixth day, we see that he created uh, man or mankind or humans, and he created them male and female, man and woman. A man with a womb is what it was, a woman. And so today, we live in a world today that we have a risk of, of getting sued, of of separation of relationship with people. People lose the jobs. So many things as a result of standing true on the word of God because everything is so politically correct and we have to follow that. I'd rather follow the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I think you can give the Lord a praise offering for that. Amen. We have it today. What or who do you identify with? What or who do you identify with? Sad, I'm not condemning anyone about that. I'm just saying that that's the world that we live in today. They've been brought into that thinking. And if it goes on so long, it's sustained long enough, then everybody buys into it. But God created us, male and female, uh, man and woman, is the way he created us. Amen? Amen? There's a great complexity of roles today on men, as there is upon women, we have to wear many hats. How I many of you have a number of hats, things that you do? You wear a cap for playing baseball. You have a cap for going fishing. Cap for gardening. Cap for sitting out in the sun. Cap for this and that. We have all types of caps and hats in this world today. Genesis, the second chapter, we see what man, we look at the order of which, with which uh, God created man. In the second chapter, he says that he formed a man. He took the dust of the earth and he formed him and fashioned him. And we see that his responsibility, he placed him in the garden and he says, basically, you're here to, as a covering and for cultivating, cultivating this. And so anyway, we see that man, uh, through the process of years, he was created a man and later he became a husband and then later a father. It's interesting that the husband 
uh, is a term from which we, we get, it means like uh, if, if someone is a gardener or a farmer, they call it husbandry. Right? So many people talk about, you know, their spouse or their children. Well, hello, you're the gardener. Right? You're the gardener. You're the husband. If you want to, you need to care for them. Give them what they need. Give them the nourishment, the encouragement that they need to grow. Amen? And so man was a, a man and he was a husband. He was a father. I had heard people say so many times, uh, you, the expression of how you just wanted to bust your buttons, right? You just wanted to, oh man, I never really fully understood that then uh, on October the 18th, uh, a number of years ago, uh, I watched as Teresa gave birth to our firstborn. When Brooks was born, I'm not kidding you, from that moment, there wasn't a hospital gown that could hold me. <laughs> I mean, I was big scrubs, I wasn't in a gown. <laughs> they did give me scrubs. And uh, anyway, so I was in there, and I, I just thought, man, I felt my chest growing out so big. I was so proud, so happy. Yeah. I wanted to, we didn't have cell phones back then, but I wanted to tell everybody I could yeah. that, hey, I got a son. Yeah. Proud of them. Proud for each and every one of them. I was happy today, uh, last night, Farah and, and uh, Micah stayed up, or stayed all night with us yesterday night. And uh, anyway, this morning... I happened to walk through our room, and he was in there. He said, Happy Poppy Day. <laughs> Happy Poppy's Day. I thought, that's awesome. Yeah. Another button bubble, uh, busting moment. Amen. Yeah, right. And, of course, along with the child, there is no, we've heard it said before, there's no instructions. There's no manual. Amen they don't give you. There's a lot of philosophies and a lot of things that you can find. But I, I look at this uh, the thing is, if we get the first one right, the rest of it will follow after. And follow me what I'm saying. Man, husband, father. If you get the man right, the rest of it will take care of itself. When you be the man that David told Solomon to be, prove yourself a man. Prove yourself a man. It wasn't so much as what the world thinks. wasn't talking about his masculinity in that regard. See, the world has a, a model of what a man will be based upon the macho and the masculinity. And the world will tell you if you're a man, you know, you, you're known by sports, success, and sex. That's what they tell you. Right? Prove yourself a man. Amen? It's defined on the ball field, the billfold, and the bedroom. Prove yourself a man. And we live that kind of a culture today that that's where it's shown at. 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, verses 6 and 7 says, if you remember the occasion when Jesse had, a, uh, had eight sons and Samuel was told by God to go anoint the, the son of Jesse to become the king of Israel. And Samuel shows up there and Jesse sees him coming, and he said, what's up? He says, one of your boys is going to be the king of Israel. Of course, Jesse takes him to the one who's the biggest, the strongest. God looked at, or Samuel looked at him, he said, not this one. And that's why the scripture says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Amen. It's more than just being outwardly, big, strong, tough, Whatever, it's more than that. It's the condition of the heart. Are you with me? We think about success. We think about the billfold area of that. Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 15, Jesus said that one's life doesn't consist by the abundance of the things that he possesses. It's not about all the money you can make. Although God's blessing is upon that, he blesses. But that's not how you define whether you're a man or not, by what your salary is, what your income is, what your savings is. How tough you are, how strong you are. It's certainly not defined by the sexual aspect of it. Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter, the Bible tells us that sex outside of marriage is actually immorality. It's sin. James says that when a man is tempted by his own desires or his own lust, it leads to sin and then to death. So we see that the world's thoughts 
the world's standards and what the world says as being a man is quite contrary to what God says. Amen? Amen. So how does one prove themselves a man when David gave these words to the Lord? Now, David wasn't a perfect man. He was just a man after God's heart. Amen? He made mistakes just like you and me. He had problems. He had desires that took him down a road that cost him a lot. But nonetheless, David was a man after God's own heart. And so David gives this charge to, to his son Samuel. He says, look, I'm getting ready to leave. But son, you need to prove yourself a man before you can prove yourself a king. Right. Amen? Amen? And a father. Because he says, it's for your kids as well. You've got to be a man first. You need to be a husband first. You need to be a man, a, 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 a father, and then a king. Right. Put it in that order. So I want to give you about seven or eight things today. I could probably come up with more than that. They all begin with P. All right? First thing I want you to realize in becoming a man, every person here, whether you have a children, children or not, we have a responsibility. Men, we have a great responsibility that's been given unto us. Just like the responsibility that God placed upon Adam when he put him in the garden. He says, you have all the blessings, you have all the resources, and you have some responsibility. And the first thing we have to realize that to be a man, he had to be a partner. He had to understand what it was to have, be a partner. Everybody say partner. partner. There's a couple of areas here that I've written down. In Genesis, the first chapter, verses 26 through 28, the Bible says that God said, let's make man in our image and in our likeness, and let's give him dominion over all the things that are here, upon everything that's been created to this point. And by saying that, he says, I want man to partner with what I've done. I've got some things here. In Genesis, the second chapter, I've got the references there, verses 4 and 5, that upon all the earth, there had never been rain, just a mist that came forth and watered the ground. And the Bible says, because there wasn't a man there to till it. So in other words, all of creation was designed with the thought that man had a responsibility and man had partnership with God in sustaining it and seeing it carried on. We have to realize, God... Uh, guys, that God wants us to partner with him. I'm glad that he wants to be my partner because I couldn't make it this life without him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Give him praise. I'm glad that the Bible says that the disciples went out, uh, the Lord working with them. God wants to work with you. He wants us to help to be a blessing to our families, to be a blessing to our communities, to be a blessing to our children and their children and their children. Amen? And then we see that his partnership extended beyond just uh, partnering with the resources that he had created. But God wanted him to be a partner with whom he was going to give him. The Bible says God looked upon the man and he says, look, it's not good. Everybody remember the word I used a few years ago, a few weeks ago, good? The word tov, which means perfect, complete designed to fulfill the, the overall, or complete the overall design for which something was given or made. And he says things are not good. And I believe he waited until that moment when man had a, few, a little while to go along and realize, hey, I can't, I can't do what you told me to do. You said to be fruitful and to multiply, fill the earth. Seriously? How? And so God says, it's not good, is it? It's not good for you to be alone. You've got to complete this. Now, I'm not saying that uh, if you're not married, it doesn't make any difference. He's talking about the generality of mankind. However, if you are married, say it's a good thing. Good. Amen. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen. Amen. So anyway, he says, I want you to partner with your wife. And says he says he made, took the rib out of his side and created for him a help meet who was comparable to him. And so was able to complete, not compete, right? To complete the work, not compete in the work. And so it was a partnership. And I believe that God wants us to understand that when we're, when we're good husbands, 
uh, we're partnering with God in God's overall plan. Amen? Hallelujah. Secondly, it requires being a priest. There's the need for being a priest. A priest in Exodus, the 19th chapter, verses 6, the Bible says that God told Moses, he says, I want you to ordain these guys as priests or anoint them as priests, and they will stand before God representing man. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, it says that as, the, as it was that God had a priesthood who would stand before God representing man pertaining to the things of God. A good man, if you want to prove yourself a man, then be the priest of your home. Amen? Come on, I should hear some deep, loud, amen. (laughs) The priest of the home. You have a responsibility. Standing before God, representing your family. A priest was known as an intercessor. He would go before God and he would offer up sacrifices. And saying, God, would you accept this sacrifice? Because I know that you hear my prayer. Oh, I think about that night that God led Israel out of Egypt. And every man was the pre- every father was the priest of his home. And there inside the home, he knew that what God said, that there was going to be a, a death angel that would pass over. And anyone who was not covered in the blood, every house that was not covered in the blood, would lose their firstborn. I want to tell you something. That father knew what it was to be a priest. When he took the lamb and he slew the lamb, And they roasted it, and they took the blood, and they applied it upon the doorpost to that house and said, God, please, you promised that if you saw the blood, you would pass over. There's a number of times when you learn to be a priest of your home, when you're given a situation, and there's nothing you can do. Medicine can't help it. Doctors can't help it. Counselors can't help it. And all you can do is stand before God and say, I'm standing in the gap. For my family, for my children today. And I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Priest of the house. As an intercessor. There may be times when you face the situation. Your family has a great need. Your children have a great need. They need direction. Instruction or whatever. And you don't know what to do. But you stand before God and say, God, give me a word. Move in their hearts. Move in their lives. Be a father to them like you promised you would be. Standing in the gap. Amen. Just like there wasn't a man in the garden. Sometimes there's homes without a man that understands the the need to be a priest of the house. But God wants you to be a priest. Amen? Amen. Third thing is that of a prophet. That of a prophet. A prophet hears from God. And he speaks from God. Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, verse 6 says to train up a a child in the way that he should go. How many of you know that we need to speak into our children's lives? Amen? Amen? And sure, there is a general thing. Speak into your child the way that they should go. In other words, following Christ. But I think it goes beyond that. Sometimes you have the ability to speak into their life the direction that God wants for them. We do that so many times at dedications based upon a name. What is the name of that? Well, there must have been a reason that God caused this person to name them that. So we declare that name of what they're supposed to be and we speak it out. Declare it into their life. Prophesy into them. Speak over them. Speak into them. Amen. (laughs) I have to... Tell this story off if I can do it real uh, exact or not. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were getting ready to eat, and uh, and we were praying, getting ready to pray. And Mike pointed out because he could hear Farah, but he says, "Yeah, whenever you pray, she goes shalom, 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 amen." <laughs> Something like that. Is that how she says it? What is it? Pretty much. Shalom, shalom, amen. She's speaking in tongues, you know. But she caught the meaning of it. Speak over them and speak into them. Speak their destiny. Oh, we can always point out what's wrong with them. But God didn't tell us to point out the problems. He said, give them the promise. Give them the purpose. Speak into their life. It doesn't matter what they're doing. We know what God had in mind for them. Prophesy. 
say they're going to live a life that God wants for them. They're going to be pleasing to God. They're going to grow up into the person that God has designed for them and destined for them to be. Speak it into their life. That's a man. Next, we see that the man was a protector. A protector. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I think about this. Uh, Use the example or the illustration there, the scripture reference. Uh, Remember when when, uh, God told Joseph, he says, Mary's going to have a child. It's not your child, but you're going to have to treat him like he's your son. And he says, she's going to give birth to a child. It's all of me. So you go ahead and marry her. So they they go ahead and the baby's born. And uh, after that, we know that Pharaoh at that time I'm, I'm sorry, Herod rather, wanted to kill every child. But God warned Joseph in a dream. And Joseph did what was necessary. He says, I'm protecting that baby. I'm protecting that baby. He took him and fled to Egypt until the time was over. A man who's a man stands as a protector for his family. Amen? Not only physically, but it can be in many areas, there was a man who was one of David's mighty men. And the Bible tells us that, that uh, he had a, a field full of lentils, a bunch of beans. And so anyway, the, another, another nationality came in there and they were going to take over that field. They said, Look, we're just going to take that man's beans. And the guy stood in between him and says, oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. How many of you know, he says, that's my family's livelihood. That's how they eat, but it's also their heritage. That means as long as I have beans to plant, there will be food for another generation. You're not going to take away what belongs to my family. And he stood there and slew the troop that came after him. How many of you know we need some men who will stand in the face of opposition and say, oh, no, you're not. We're not just talking beans. Amen. Hallelujah protector, one who gives care and a covering, security, stability, and strength, one who stands as a guard and as a guide. It doesn't just have to be in the physical things. There are things that, that are invisible that you have to be a protector of. I, I remember growing up, and there would be questions when I'd come in at night, and I wasn't a bad boy. I really wasn't. I just liked to get involved in mischief. And I'd get the questions. Where are you at? What were you doing tonight? Who are you with? Why did you do that? How I many of you know those things are what a protector does? Those are questions. It's okay to want to know where your kids are, what they're doing, who they're with. How I many of you know that, that there's some influences out there that it's not good influences upon them? Amen? You can begin to see it. I couldn't believe my mom could tell me who I was with just the next day by how I talked. Isn't that amazing? She goes, oh, I can tell you who you're with. I thought, she's a prophet. She goes, no, you just do this, this is the stuff that you guys talk. It's the way you guys talk. She could understand that. It's not just the physical. It's the influences that we have around about us. People, friends, associates, teachers, professors, right? The programs of our world today shape how people begin to believe and how they think. We can be influenced by the music that we listen to. When you hear something that's not... It's not edifying. What about books? Things like that. Books, uh, shows, movies, teachings, philosophies. We become exposed to those things. And as a protector, sometimes we have to stand in the way. And I know you can't be with them all the time. But that's when you say, I'm telling you this. And then you go into the priesthood mold. Uh, mode, And you begin to pre- plead before God. I know they're going to do this, God, but I cover them with your blood. Cover them with your blood, no matter what's going on. I believe that you're going to bring them into their destiny and I start declaring their destiny over them. Amen? Amen. Protector. Yes. Prove yourself a man. You have to be a provider. Paul told Timothy, he says that if, if a man doesn't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. Worse than an infidel if he doesn't provide for himself. When we take upon the role, how many of you know that when, when God created man and he gave him a wife, he had a responsibility, a provider. She helped along with that, what they did. But God was a supplier and man was supposed to be the steward of what he was doing. We need to be stewards 
of, our, of what we have responsibility for. Amen? Amen. God put them in a garden. There were trees of every type. He says you can eat of every fruit of every tree that's out there except for the, gar- uh, the one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil because in the day that you do that, you'll surely die. He had everything. All the fruit he would need to have, all the seed-bearing gra- uh, a grain that was coming up, he had it made. He could have a big old, pic- big old day with corn and green beans and apple for pie and oh, cherries for pie. All that good stuff he had, he had provided for him, and now he had to steward it. He also had rivers that ran through there for watering as well as per, for transportation. In, in some of the rivers, there was actually gold and precious minerals and jewels that were there, Right? He had provided. And so anyway, God expects us to be a, a provider. Not only of the natural things. I believe that as a provider, a man needs to, to uh, provide love. Amen. If there's anything that we're short on today is love. That's right. Everybody say love. love. I know a lot of people, they think, they, oh, being a masculine, you don't want to be loved. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're crying or not. It doesn't make you not a man. That's right. right? It's all right to cry. Provide that love. I remember a song that was written by Jimmy Dean a number of years ago in a group that I loved, a Christian group called the Imperials sang this song. But anyway, Jimmy Dean wrote a song. He says, um, uh, six foot six, stood on the ground, weighed 235 pounds. But I saw that giant of a man brought down to his knees by love. Can't see it with your eyes. He, oh, I'm sorry. He was a kind of man who would gamble on luck, look you in the eye and never back up. But I saw him crying like a little whipped pup. Because of love. Can't see it with your eye. Hold it in your hands. But like the wind, it covers this land. Strong enough to rule the heart of any man. That thing called love. Amen. Amen. Fathers, we need to provide love. They need to see what it's like to show affection to them as well as to uh, your spouse, your wives. Be the example of passing along love. Be the example of care and compassion. They need to be provided acceptance. Acceptance. I, I love you. You fit in. You, you might be doing things that are wrong, but I, I love you. Camaraderie. I'll tell you what, there's nothing better when a, having a buddy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> having a buddy. Being, just being with them. Amen? Coaching. Advising. Advising. Counseling provide what's needed the next thing is that of present and I'm not talking about a gift I'm talking about the presence Deuteronomy the sixth chapter they had a commandment that was given unto them and he says I want you to teach these things to your children and their children teach them talk to them when you're in the house There's something about the presence of a man in the house, a father who is a man who understands what it's all about. When you're in the house, well, not only that, when you're on the way to school, when you're driving them to school, when you're dropping them off at ball practice, when you're taking them downtown, when you're taking them to the mall, wherever you're taking them, when you're out on the boat and you're fishing, when you're out in the deer stand, talk about these things to them. Be with them. Be present in their life. He said, do it before they go to bed. Nothing wrong with a man who, who prays over his children. Makes them understand. It says not only when you go to bed, but when you wake up in the morning. Let them know God's good. Amen. Amen? Amen? Be the example we're supposed to be. Provide what's necessary and be present. Psalm 103 verse 13 says that as, the, as a father has compassion upon his children so does our heavenly father he has compassion he wants to be with us Jehovah Shammah means the Lord is there Uh, uh, the Lord is our refuge a very present help in the time of trouble aren't you glad that God's with you amen sometimes just being with them means something being there show them you care about them you care about their life I remember when uh Uh, Teresa and I first when we got married we were we bought our first house and we were going to do some work to it my dad had had a couple of strokes and heart attacks that uh, he wasn't able to do the things that he used to do 
He couldn't do the pulling and the tugging and all the stuff. He could build anything. He could invent anything. And he saved everything to use it, to do it. <laughs> he was one of those kinds of guys. But anyway, when I was doing the work on it, I just wanted my dad there. Just have him there. Just him being there. I knew that I could do something. Sometimes he'd tell me what to do. Sometimes I'd do something. But knowing he was there, knowing that if I was going to do something that was going to not work out down the road, he was there to tell me. He was there to tell me. Just his presence being there was a big help. Man, men, be a man. Be there for your kids. Be there with them. Amen? Lastly, you're doing good, aren't we? 11.16, how about that? Men, you ought to be a promoter. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being a promoter. Colossians 3.21, the Bible says, guys, fathers, don't provoke your kids to wrath. Don't discourage them because they'll, they'll turn out bad if you do that. We need to quit provoking and start promoting. Amen? Amen. Build them up. Edify them. Encourage them. Pour into them. They're like the trees that, in the garden. They're like the branches that come forth. They're, they're growing. And you're the gardener. Promote them. Tell them they can. Let them know God's got something in store for them. Pour into their life. Promote them. Nothing better than bragging on your children. Amen? Do we have time this morning? <laughs> no, I won't. How many of you know that Father's Day ought to be a day of not just being honored, but this is a day where we can stand, declare the word of the Lord, speak destiny over the life of our kids, our grandchildren, promote them, build them up, care about them, show them you're there with them. Amen? That's the day that we show ourselves a man. And that's what I feel like God wants to say to us today. Prove yourself a man. Do these things. And just like when he told Solomon, if you'll follow these things, you'll never reach a point in your life when there's not one that will rise up and ascend to the throne. They'll make their destiny because you did what was right. You did according to God's word and according to God's standards. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning. This past week, uh, Erica had posted... Uh, something on Facebook, and I saw that, and I said, you know, I'm going to probably have to use that on Sunday. It's pretty good. And uh, so anyway, I copied it off this morning. It says, our kids need to see what's manly. Now, I'm not talking about that stereotypical masculinity, but dependable gentleman style, like finding a brute to sweep up the crumbs without being asked, holding the door open for a stranger, making it priority to spend time with his family, because a man of honor steps up and takes interest. A man humbles himself to serve. A man humbles, or, uh, understands his responsibilities and leads by example. A man cares more about integrity than getting ahead. A man isn't expected to be perfect, but he's not expected to give up easily either. And that's what our kids need to see. Amen. His endurance, his respect, his encouragement, his sensitivity dedication, and his compassion. Grateful for the husbands, fathers, sons, uncles, brothers, teachers, friends who are modeling what it looks like to be a hero in their stories. Thank you for being the kind of men that our, our kids need to see. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. Pretty much summed up everything right there. Let's prove ourselves to be men. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask if our men would come up this morning. And stand here, we've got some gifts that we're going to give you. And uh, we want to pray over you. All men, you don't have to be a father, you're a man. Be, be a man. That's where you're at, be a man. Amen. i got two gifts that we're going to give you today. One is something you want to keep, put, put it in your car, wherever you're at. And... Uh, Yeah, here they come. We'll give these out too. This one is a uh, 
triple thing. It's a flashlight. It's a good flashlight. It's a warning light. <laughs> Keep these in your car. And then it's got this little blade in there. This is used for if you ever come and have an accident. Now, we pray that doesn't happen. But as a protector, amen, you take this, you go like this, and you could get, if you get caught in a seatbelt, slash the seatbelt, get loose. The other end, you use it to poke, and it breaks out the window to get out of there. Amen? So it's like a five-in-one or six-in-one tool. And uh, then we also had some keychains and compasses left over, I think, from a few years ago. But anyway, grab one of those. We're going to give those out to everybody, and then I've got something else that I want to give to you afterwards. Amen? we got some real men here today. Aren't you glad and grateful to have men? You know, I thank God for women uh, throughout the years, and the church especially, because if it weren't for women, there probably wouldn't be a church. But many of them prayed and did what they did because their men, uh, men were off working or serving or in the military or whatever. They were out in other places and couldn't be there. And the women stood in the gap. But I believe they did it so that the men could rise up to what they're supposed to be. I think back in the 90s, there was a group called Promise Keepers. And men would gather in stadiums. And I remember on the very beginning of that stage, uh, at that time, I was asked to be involved in that. There would be a couple of thousand guys who would gather in regional areas uh, for, for Promise Keepers. But it became a movement to where stadiums around the United States would, be, uh, would draw... Uh, uh, men from all over being promised and promise keepers amen yes. we need men yes. we need men who will be men and do what they're supposed yes. to do amen. Yes. amen hallelujah everybody good this morning amen. what y'all got planned today white castles <laughs> you barbecuing huh Ravenelli's, there you go, you can't go wrong there. <laughs> Uncle Lenny's has got a Father's Day thing going on today too, I think, some kind of a steak and deal. Ravenelli's has a good thing. Nothing wrong with barbecuing your own stuff though, amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, in addition to this, I got something else I want to give to you. And I found this to be very, very useful and essential and uh, bless you leaving me okay oh there's Fred so I want to give this to you today and you can do whatever you want with it but you might find it necessary to keep keep it where you can get to it every day and for several years several years this was uh, uh, handed handed to me and there's a man who's a minister by the name of Dr. Francis Miles, who is from Africa, who's a minister here in the United States. But he has a great ministry, and he wrote a book a number of years ago based on a book that another guy, Robert Henderson, who happened to be a, a ministry guest of ours at one time, about operating in the courts of heaven. And we see in the Bible that the Bible says and the books were open in the courts of heaven. We see the courts that were gathered there. And uh, anyway, Francis Miles had a, uh, an additional uh, revelation, if you would please, or illumination to the revelation of that. And he found himself in a position one time and it brought him to this understanding that as a priest that we can issue divine restraining orders given from the courts of heaven. Now, how many of you know that we see in the Bible, it's okay. we see in the Bible that uh, the Bible talks about a woman who comes before an unjust judge and makes her petitions. Yes. The same way it is with God. Jesus gave that as an example of appealing to the Father. We come before the Father who is a just judge. We plead the case. And based upon this, he says, there's times... When you, you can do all you want, but there's times when you got to call on the courts of heaven 
and cry out a restraining order against the enemy who tries to steal, kill, and destroy what God has blessed you with. And that's basically what this is. And I mean, there's been time every day, take this first thing in the morning, I would... So that's why I say, put it on your refrigerator, put it in a place where daily you could look at this and refer to it. But I want to read it out loud. Women would just stand up, everyone who's here today, stand up because we're going to be pleading these divine restraining orders over these men and over their families in Jesus' name. We're going to do it corporately, but then you're going to have to stand on your own, amen, and begin to plead that. I thank God for restraining orders, amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So, Heavenly Father, I stand in your royal courtroom today because of the shed blood and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I have come to receive your righteous judgment over my life, and I ask that the courts of heaven be seated according to Daniel 7, 9, and 10. And I ask this in Jesus' name. I call upon your holy angels to be witnesses to this holy and righteous transaction. I also decree and declare that all demonic entities, institutions, human beings impacted directly by this divine restraining order be duly notified by your holy angels who serve in the courts of heaven. In other words, you tell the enemy what's going on. Amen. He says, I declare and decree that all demonic entities earthly institutions and human beings will honor, respect, and abide by your righteous judgment in Jesus' mighty name. I decree and declare that this house and all its inhabitants are protected by this divine restraining order from the courts of heaven in Jesus' mighty name. And I decree and declare that a divine restraining order against premature death, all forms of witchcraft, is an effect over my life. I decree and declare that a divine restraining order against the spirit of Leviathan, Jezebel, Ahab, and Legion is in effect over my home. And I declare and decree that a divine restraining order against marriage, destiny breakers, financial robbers is in effect over my home in Jesus' name. I declare and decree that a divine restraining order against demonic dreams, nightmares, is in effect over my home and over everyone who dwells there, over my line. You can add whatever you want to. I seal these divine restraining orders in the name uh, of Jesus by the precious blood. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not going to sit. We're going to stand our ground. That's my bean field. Amen. (laughs) I'm not fighting with flesh and blood. I'm fighting with the power and the authority of the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And I've got restraining orders from heaven dispatched by holy angels to stand our ground over our kids, over our family, our grandchildren. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a big praise, guys. Hallelujah. Father, I bless these men today. I thank you, Lord, they proved themselves to be not just men, but godly men. As priests and prophets and providers, protectors, Lord, ones who are present with them, Father. I thank you, Lord, they are promoters, that they speak prophetic destiny into their families. They give them counsel and direction, Father, with love and compassion. In Jesus' name, may their house, their home, their families, their spouses, uh, everyone uh, in the line of their responsibility, I bless them in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone say, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give him a praise offering. Amen. Glory to God. I think we've got a few more here. If you didn't get one today, you can take it. Take it to your home, women. It's okay. You can, how many of you know God honors women's uh, appeal for divine restraining orders as well? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I love you. God bless you. Men, happy Father's Day. Happy Poppy Day. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. We love you. We're going to see you next week. Amen.